welcome to a Revolution to Lead podcast. My name is Austin Glines, and what this podcast is all about is a new reality that is available inside and during our current one. That many religions and ways of life and philosophies tell you that there's something higher than this reality that we just have to escape to enter it. Well, I'm here to argue and tell you how we can tap into a brand new and better reality inside of this old one. Now, you see, in right after the, you know, lockdown that we had in 2020, and as right around the time that Europe started coming out of their stay-at-home lockdown, a journalist began to go around asking Gen Zers, which is anywhere from around the ages of 12 to 26, I believe now, what did 2020 make you realize? And one young man answered, there are so many revolutions to lead. And that's a big word. Like, a revolution isn't just something you throw out. Like, it has to be legit. I mean, we think of revolutions and we think of the French Revolution. We think of th- the, what happened in Italy. We think of things that happened way back in the Roman Empire where there was revolutions, overturnings of government. And all throughout history, you know, revolution has been a big deal. But this kid or really he's my age, (laughs) this dude doesn't want to overthrow a government. What this dude is looking for is a new way of life. What he realizes is that inside of our current reality, there's something better. But we're trapped in an old mindset, and we can normally use the terminology, an old life, And we need to birth ourselves into a new one. And as I began to think about this, my mind went back to Martin Luther King Jr. On that day when he articulated his dream, on that Wednesday of August 28, 1963. And on that day, Martin Luther King didn't declare that he's overthrowing a government. And the movement he had in the civil rights movement was not a political movement, but it was a movement of the people who believed in a better future, that a better life, a new reality was available within this old reality. That is why I count the civil rights movement as a a revolution. You see, Revolutions have so much more meaning than a political grab for power. But I believe it's when a group of people push and shove and cross the boundaries of our current reality to make us see bigger and brighter things. Revolutions are movements that paint a better future. We can go to the moment that if you're in America and maybe even all around the world, when you hear revolution, the moment you think of is 1776 with the American Revolution. However, on this day that 
we in America proclaim as Independence Day. It's interesting to me, that was the moment we began to believe in a better country. That was the moment we began and signed to declare that we are our own people. However, on this day, Britain did not know the United States of America existed. And on this day, the war was not won, but this was just the beginning of a war. Because why we call this Independence Day, the beginning of the American Revolution rather than the end is this was the moment the people began living a new reality, even though Britain was eventually going to come and try to reclaim this group of colonists. And as we know, America would win out, and the new reality that was proclaimed on July 4th, 1776, would survive and live on. The revolution was complete. However, again, I want to press that it was almost, I think it was 1783 when we finally won this revolutionary war. I could be wrong. If I am, you can let me know. But for, so seven years almost, America had a war to fight, but they were already living as a country of their own. Even with hard trials ahead, they believed the United States of America would survive and would become a full reality. That is the power of a revolution. And both of these movements are, I can definitely say, Martin Luther King's movement. You can argue about the American Revolution, whether it was based on a revolution that happened 2,000 years ago when a Jewish man walked out of a tomb three days after he was crucified and brutally killed. And this was the moment that new life, this revolution began. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14 say, He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, why I brought up this verse is first I want to clarify something. Sin is one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. Mis misunderstood, misused, whatever you would like to call it. You see, Sin is not just when you do something wrong. In this context of forgiveness of sins, we could even argue, is not something you do wrong, but rather it's a life you choose, you see. In the Bible, sin is not just described as an action, but rather a power, a force, a way of life, rather. So when we say, oh, you sinned, what that means is, hey, in that moment, you chose a different way of life than the one God has for you. So even though that sin is a way of life and not a fort, is a way of life and not an action, it doesn't take personal responsibility away from us. Because again, it is a force that draws us in, but we 
choose this way of life. However, why this way of life is so captivating and so tempting is because it promises immediate satisfaction and complete freedom. You see, what this life of sin promises, the Bible describes, is very quick fulfillment, but in the long run, you will live a life of captivity. So let's go where this started. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and see where sin entered the world and what we can learn from it. So Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree of the... Uh, let me say that again. You must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now this is one of the most fascinating conversations in the Bible. Because this is the only time that Satan directly speaks to humans until the New Testament where Jesus meets Satan face to face in the desert in his 40-day fast. So, if this is the only time in the Hebrew Scriptures, which is our Old Testament, that Satan speaks directly to humans, we might want to listen. Because this is going to show the theme of sin and Satan's schemes for the rest of the Bible. So, let's dig in right here. So, the first thing that that comes out of Satan's mouth is, did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? And then at first, when we, this is, oh, first I'm going to get to what, how Eve responds. Then Eve responds, actually, God did not say that. And in this moment, we're like, oh, yay, go, go Eve. Good job. You remembered. But then she keeps talking. And then we're like, oh, no. Because this is what she says. God commanded us not to eat. God said that we could eat from all the trees in the garden, but just not the one in the middle. We must not eat it or touch it or we will die. Okay, so first some of you are thinking, 
Eve didn't say anything wrong there. She was right. However, Eve forgot one big thing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not the only tree in the middle of the garden. There was another tree in the middle of the garden, which was called the tree of life. This tree would have given humans the ability to live forever. It would have given them eternal life. It was the other tree in the middle of the garden, which they could eat from. God wanted them to eat from this tree, but instead they chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, the second thing Eve said wrong was, you must not eat it or touch it. Which, I mean, it, God didn't say they couldn't touch it, for one. I mean, it might be a good idea not to touch it, because, you know, just stay away, don't get tempted, you know, all that good stuff. But that's not what God said. But what this shows here is a theme we're going to see for the rest of the biblical story. And it is that humans continually try to make following God more complicated than it actually is. And the reason why is the more rules and regulations that we add to religion makes it more about us and less about God. That if we do all the work, then the religion is ours. But if God does all the work, then it's all about him. So it's really easy right here, though, to say, how stupid are Adam and Eve? Like, they could have eaten from the tree of life. That would have gave them life forever. Why did they eat of that one? However, before we're so quick to judge Adam and Eve, let's take a moment to look at our own lives. Look at our own ways. How many times have we boosted our ego or social status or got something we wanted at the expense of others? And how many times have you done something that gained you immediate satisfaction but cost you down the road in the long term? I, mean, I really want you to think about that for a second. So I'm going to give you a second. You see, what sin does is it wants you to look at the immediate satisfaction so you don't see the long-term consequences. What sin wants you to do is get so pumped up about what it's giving you right now that you don't see what it's going to cost you later. You see, what Satan promised that is what is that Eve would be like God. That she would know what God knows. However, what Eve forgot in this moment is that she was an image of God. That she was a representative of God Almighty. That she didn't have to strive to achieve God-like status because she was already in partnership with God. That she, that human status was already above the angels, above all the heavenly beings. And the only one that ruled over humanity was God himself. But what Satan promised is that Eve could be greater than God. And Eve liked that. What the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents is our desire to be our own God. We live in a world where humanity 
believes that the individual is deity, that we are our own gods, there's nothing above us, that we are the pinnacle of all creation. However, we remove God from the top. And that is the ultimate lie. We cannot live a life without the authority of God and expect to live the life that He desires for us. That's why we have so many people doing whatever it takes to get immediate satisfaction, but cost them in the long term. That's why we, there's people who spend every day trying to achieve this godlike status and just doing whatever it takes, whether it costs their family, their morality, their character, whatever it is. There's people that striving to be like God, listening to this same lie that Satan told in the very beginning, and we're still falling for it today. And it's just not those some people who are superstars, but each and every one of us fall into sin, that we choose that we know better at some time in life, each and every day. We all sin and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans. But it doesn't have to be like that all the time. What we can do is trust in King Jesus that when we mess up, we turn back to Him. Because God never wanted perfection. God never wanted us to always be perfect. You see, righteousness and perfection are not the same thing. How righteousness is defined in the Bible is trust. So even though we mess up, we go back to God and say, Hey God, I'm sorry I messed up. Please forgive me. I trust you. I want your way of life. You are God. I am not. You see, and even before Israel went into exile to Babylon, that's all God asked for them to do. He just said, repent and I will call off Babylon from coming. He, it, they weren't screwed until the very end, until it was too late. God gave warning after warning, turn back, Israel, come back to me. You don't have to be perfect, just trust me rather than all these other gods. But instead, they chose to trust the other gods, trust themselves, and their evil led to their destruction. And they have never recovered fully since. And that's what sin does. Sin gives you short-term satisfaction, but leaves you forever impaired. But luckily, we serve the God who has overcome sin. There is a new way of life. There is something better than just living life chasing after money and fame and chasing to get to this godlike status. We can trust in God and be His representatives because that is where we'll be most fulfilled, most full of joy, most full of purpose. You see, God doesn't want us to live a life that's boring or bland, as you may have heard. But God wants us to live a life full of joy, full of love, and full of purpose. That's what we're all striving for. And God has it. But it's going to look totally different than how the world tells us to get it. 
You see, this is a new reality living inside of an old one. That's why I call this a revolution. That you can begin to be a part of this revolution today. Even if you say you follow Jesus, you know Jesus, all that. But maybe you haven't been living this out. You see, because the life that Jesus has isn't about gaining power, it's about serving others. The greatest power we have is to serve. You see, it's not about getting to the top. It's about serving those at the bottom. It's not about getting the next reward or fame, but it's about bringing fame to his name and knowing that life is not about us. Each and every day we can come and choose the tree of life above all else because Jesus is the tree of life. And when Jesus got out of the grave, he was the first to enter into this new life and made it available to us through his personal presence, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to leave us with this because I think this verse describes perfectly the revolution that Jesus begun and we are called to live today. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The revolution Jesus started 2,000 years ago does not take on government or institutions, but it opposes evil that lives in all creation. So boycotting Amazon because they're not Christians, is not what being a part of this revolution is all about. It's about being humble and serving others. And through our example, this is how we change the world. Welcome to the new reality of Jesus. So I hope you enjoyed this. We're going to have on some guests soon. And be looking out. I'm gonna get going to announce it, but within the next two weeks, I'll be launching my first NFT. It'll be a chapter of a book that I'm working on. So you're, like I said, I'm gonna announce that. You can follow me on social media, Austin Glines, on all social media platforms: LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, for daily inspiration. And I'm going to try to do these once a week and hopefully twice a week at some point. And if you're more of a reader, I'm going to have a blog version of this podcast up on my blog, austinglines.com. I have already about 18 blogs posted. If you want to go subscribe to my email list, I would be honored. You'll get news about the podcast. 
and so much more resources coming your way. Hope you have the best week ever. And remember, the revolution starts with you. Go lead the Jesus revolution in your world. Have a good one.